McMaster has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. We all have those childhood dreams of what we want to be when we grow up. In today's episode, I talked to Maggie Burgess, whose childhood dream of medical school helped to define her days at MAC. Maggie did everything she could in her academic and extracurricular life to make that dream come true, until her battle with anxiety led her to realize she was chasing a dream that she no longer wanted. Most people do not end up moving to Florida and working at Walt Disney World for two summers, but Maggie did just that and discovered what she really wanted to do with her career. Today, Maggie is Program Manager of Primary Cells Feasibility at Stem Cell Technologies, Inc. in BC. From Mac to Mickey to taking the time to step back in order to take a few steps forward in the right direction is the unconventional journey we explore in today's episode. So Maggie, thank you for joining us today for our podcast, Unconventional. Why don't we go back to your days in high school when you were sort of making a decision on what type of program and where you'd like to go. What was it about McMaster that made you say, in the end, yes, I'm going to come to to study at Mac? I had the dream of becoming a doctor of various forms. Um, Initially, I wanted to be a pediatrician, and then I was looking into forensic pathology, but the, the end goal was always med school with a specialization, and I chose MAC because not only could I do my undergrad there, but then I could also proceed into McMaster Med um, and kind of keep everything in one community. So my goal was during that time in my undergrad, I would develop relationships uh, through volunteering um, so I could stay on campus or within uh, the West End of Hamilton and sort of have a strong community behind me for the however many years it was going to take me to get through university all of my schooling. So when you got to Mac and you were in life sciences, did that sort of make you decide like, oh yes, medicine's the, the path for me? Or did you like sometimes students, yes, medicine's the way I want to go. Otherwise they get to, to university and like, oh, there's so many other courses and there's so many other things or new experiences and started to make, make a pivot then. So what was your sort of journey? Because you're not in medicine. We'll get to that later, but you're not in medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, from elementary school, I wanted to to head to med school. In the end, um, I had a one grandfather was a, a general practitioner. I had another grandfather who was a pharmacist. So there was a lot of med in my history. Um, and my dad was actually a paramedic for uh, a number of years back when I was younger. Um, so I think I was just exposed to it a lot. And I wanted to be like, you know, all the strong men in my life. And I wanted to grow up and and go to med school. I've always liked science. Um, From high school on, I took kind of advanced science in elementary school. Um, And then from high school on, it was always AP, science, everything, chemistry, bio, physics, everything. Um, I took a lot of math as well. So when I got to Mac, um, completed my first year. You you have the standard courses that you need to take when you you first enter. And I was looking at it was time to pick majors at the end of first year. And I was looking at all of the programs. And initially, I thought I wanted to go for 
biochem or molecular biology or something like that, not only did I think it would look good on my you know, transcript and my application to med school, but I thought that was what I was most interested in. When I looked at the curriculum, I realized that there were so many other courses at McMaster that I really wanted to try. I, My very first dream job was a paleontologist. So I have always been very interested in archaeology and anthropology and history and evolution. So I realized that if I were to choose molecular bio or biochem, I wouldn't have enough credits or enough spare time to take those extra courses. Um, so perhaps that was the first time that I, you know, diverged from my path, but I chose to go life sciences because I thought it gave you that same science background, that same, you know, bachelor of science degree that you're going for, but it also gave me the flexibility to take all of these quote unquote fun courses, the ones that I was really interested in outside of a typical science curriculum. Um, the aim was always med school. That didn't change until third year. Uh, so I was already, you know, three years into my life sciences program, taking lots of different courses and uh, really looking at a lot of different options. Should med school not work out? Because as someone with anxiety, of course, it always loomed over my head. You know, what if my MCAT score is not good enough? What if my GPA is not good enough? So I always had kind of a backup plan going on in the background, but it it was still science related for the most part. So what so what made you think, okay, or what happened to make you think that maybe medicine wasn't the right way to go? Was it your job at Walt Disney World? Now most people would be like, wow, you were at Walt happiest place on earth. You had a I guess it would be a summer job there. Like that must have been fantastic. Yeah, it was right before that, actually. So in March of third year, um, I think I just, I am an overachiever. Like I said, I have anxiety and I had what I thought was, well, what my, my parents and teachers growing up endearingly referred to as perfectionism um, was later diagnosed as OCD, but uh, I was just so determined to go to med school that apart from the backup plans, I didn't actually even stop to think if it was truly what I at now, what 20 years old actually wanted, or if it was just a dream that I kind of felt, you know, I'd put so much effort into it this far, uh, I have to continue with it. So it was actually March of my third year of university where I, I had, I mean, what I, what I, uh, lovingly referred to as my um, the panic attack, you know, trademarked the panic attack, um, because retrospectively, I think it was a, a good catalyst for putting me where I want to be and where I am now. Uh, and maybe kind of just like shaking that, that not even dream anymore, you know, that mandate that I have given myself to go to med school, shaking me free of that. So, um, I had a bit of a panic attack uh, that landed me in Emerge. Um, and I really just, you know, after talking to all the doctors and, you know, taking a week off and going home and allowing my brain to reset, I thought about it. And I just, I realized that med school was no longer what I wanted it to be and what I thought it was going to be. And that 
my heart through all of my other volunteering and all of the jobs that I had had, my heart wasn't really in it anymore. And that was, a, it's a really difficult thing to explain because it just clicked. It was just, you know, like a euphoric moment where I thought, oh, I get it. I've been forcing myself down this path as opposed to going down it because I wanted to. So although I can't really offer any advice on uh, how to come to this decision, I think the main thing I figured out was the second that I listened to my, you know, listened to my heart or went with my gut, I f it finally clicked and I thought, oh, okay, so no more med school. So that's when I applied for the Disney college program. <laughs> and that's when I went off down and I quite literally Peter panned away from, you know, the, the life that I had set up for myself to kind of embrace and investigate a new option. Well, I, and I think that's probably the best thing to do, like put yourself in an environment, do something completely different to allow yourself to kind of figure out and reset and, and give yourself that opportunity to think about what else you could do, right? And I think, I think sometimes people, especially when you're in school and you think, okay, I'm going to be this, and then you realize one day, I don't really like that. Mm -hmm. And you've told everybody you want to be a doctor. And so that's hard. You don't want to, it's not a uh, putting a hand up saying I failed. It's just like, maybe that's not what I really want to do. So probably Walt Disney World was the best place to go. Yeah. And in the head of someone with anxiety, um, it does feel like a failure, like choosing to not go through with it. When I had put all of this effort in, it did feel like a failure. But yeah, that's exactly why I went down to Walt Disney World. I was moving to a different country or, you know, a different place. I knew nobody. So I was putting myself in a novel environment where I had never lived before. I was, you know, I lived uh, in residence and then I lived just off campus when I was going to Mac. But it was the first time that I was officially living away from my parents in a place where I couldn't just drive home for the weekend to see them. So I really distanced myself from everything I knew, everything I thought I knew, and I put myself in a new place um, and worked for, you know, a Fortune 300 company. Uh, you know, Disney has its ups and downs, but they did offer a lot of life experience that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else, I don't think. So um, that kind of started the path into all of the hospitality and tourism that I did before eventually winding up back where I am, which is ultimately in science, but in biotech instead of med this time. Yeah. So what do you think you learned about yourself during your first Disney experience? Some, did something surprise you about yourself when you were, when you were in a different country and away from everybody who your friends and family? Um... I think that I was amazed at how independent I could be. I always knew I was an independent person. I knew I was adaptable. I knew I was, you know, flexible with ambiguity, but I really just surprised myself where every punch that gets thrown at you down there, you know, every little pang of missing home and you can't just pack up and, and for me, you know, drive the two hours home to Coburg. Uh, it just really solidified that I can take care of myself. I am an adult. I'm capable of choosing what path I want to go down. I am, you know, making the goals for the rest of my life. I don't have to adhere to something that six-year-old Mags came up with. Um, it just, it, yeah, was it like an enlightening experience almost? Uh, just putting yourself that far out of your comfort zone. Uh, I would highly recommend it to pretty much everyone. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Uh, and then, you know, kind of a sidebar, but the pay isn't great. 
down there, or at least it wasn't back in 2012. I have heard it's improved a bit, but the pay wasn't great. So you're really learning to make ends meet and you're working paycheck to paycheck essentially where I grew, I, I grew up in like a middle upper class household where I never wanted for anything. Um, but it, yeah, I, you know, living on my own and, and figuring out how to make it work. That was huge too. life experience. So you came back after your first Disney experience, finished up at Mac and then decided to go back. And so you must've had that moment of like, I think I do want to kind of do the tourism and hospitality sector for a bit. Was, was that still part of your journey of trying to figure out post med school degree, you know, dream what you, what you wanted to do or allowing yourself to have a more time to figure out, or it was just, or you just loved that, that industry. Cause it, it can be a very fun industry. Like it's, there's lots of young people, mm-hmm. there, it, but it's hard work. You don't get paid a lot. It's very trying. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was a mixture of a number of things. I, I went to private school for high school and, you know, they never suggest the going into trades or going to college um, or taking a year off in private school they very much enforce the notion that you have to go to university and you have to go immediately after high school Um, I skipped a grade when I was younger so I have always been a year younger than everyone that I'm in a class with so that coupled with the fact that I was so driven to get to med school and get it over with as soon as I can so that, you know, I'm graduating before 30 and I'm, I'm working. I think I just needed to get away. I knew that with the ICP, I found it because it was a college program related. So you had to be going to school the following year to go to that program. I enjoyed it. It was legitimately a dream come true. But after Um, When I was applying to the next program, it was a number of things. I was dating an American boy that I had met on that program. And I thought any experience in the States would potentially work out in my favor. The program that I was applying for was for food and Bev. um, And I had done a number of wine pourings uh, because my dad has always been in the wine industry in Niagara. Um, So I felt, and I had served at a, Walker's Fish Market, which is just in Burlington, uh, while I was at Mac. So I thought that I was ex- like I was exploring, you know, a food and bev path, but also the hospitality and tourism industry. Um, and because I never had the option to take a break in between schooling, this was me giving myself that break, like after university just ensuring that I took time to just do something fun and go somewhere, not necessarily new at this point, but you know, new to me in terms of how would this program work? What would my daily life be like? I would live in a different apartment complex, you know, somewhere else. Again, it's instead of a three month pro- or a four month program, it's a six month to a year to a year and a half, depending on how long you stay. Um, so I was just really putting myself into a let's have fun and recoup maybe that year that you could have had if you hadn't skipped a grade or if you had taken that year off between university and high school. Um, So yeah, it just, it, it covered a lot of bases for me. So after being in, in that sort of industry for a while, you did, you did make your way back to science. So how did that come about? Was it just sort of like a moment where it's like, Oh, I think it's time to get back. 
No, this was the most insane part of my uh, career history and kind of why I offered to talk on this podcast because my transition from med school to hospitality and tourism to food service back to science was a very long and strange one. Um, so after my second Disney program, I applied to and worked for Princess Cruises. So staying within that um, the hospitality and tourism sector, but I worked as youth staff. So I was in charge of, I always got the seven to 11 year olds. Um, so I was in charge of leading that chaotic group of kids around the boat, keeping them entertained, making sure they're happy so their parents can go and have a nice time somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I kept, I, I did that. And then after I got back from that, I, I knew I didn't want to be in Coburg anymore. Coburg, for anyone who doesn't know it, is a very small town, like an hour and a half east on the 401 from Toronto. Um, I just didn't want to, I didn't, I had seen everything Coburg had to offer. And after having moved to Florida and seeing something completely different, um, and then living on the boat and living in like international waters, I was like, well, let's, well, let's continue down this. So I applied to Fairmont Chateau Whistler. I've never been to the West Coast before. Uh, I applied on a whim because I had a friend who worked for Fairmont and she really recommended them. And luck would have it that somehow the front office manager of the Fairmont that I applied to was from Coburg, Ontario. And the assistant front office manager had just recently completed the Disney program that I just graduated from. So that was incredible. They called me actually while I was at a shift at Pops Coliseum, which I, I don't know what it's called now. Uh, I think it's First Ontario Center. First, on, yeah, yeah. Um, while I was on shift there, I got a call and they said immediately, yes, come on down. We, we see your Disney experience. We see your princess experience. Come on over. So I moved to the West Coast. I moved to BC. I moved to Whistler specifically without ever having been past Saskatchewan in terms of provinces in this country. Um, moved there. I completed the program uh, or the, the contract that I was hired onto. I met someone who is now my husband. Um, so that's great. But he lived in Vancouver proper. So once my contract was done, I moved down here. We moved in together. I then got into admin work. Um, from the admin, I transitioned to research assistant at UBC, uh, which was more admin-based stuff, but it was for um, an HIV uh, program that uh, they were doing research into. Once that contract was up, I applied actually to UBC to the body donation program. This is where it gets kind of like, you know, dark uh, going from Disney to body donation, but this kind of fulfilled that forensic pathologist need that I had in my life. So I actually worked on the program for a couple of years. Um, it is a very stressful place to work uh, because you're dealing with everyone else's grief in addition to your own. And there are things that I guess I'm just, I, it doesn't even bother me or upset me anymore uh, that people would find horrifying. But, you know, I worked for there for two years. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't much movement upwards uh, within the team. We had a, it's a very small team there and it kind of goes like research tech up to manager and it wasn't like that our manager was leaving anytime soon. 
and I'm a very growth oriented person. So that's when I applied to stem cell technologies, which is where I work now. It's a biotech, but it's uh, a business. So I felt like I was combining, you know, all of the economics and all of the stats and all of the science and all of my hospitality and tourism customer service stuff all into one job where it had just the right amount of everything that I had worked on and worked towards, but not focusing too heavily on on anything. It was kind of like the jack of all trades version of all of the jobs that I had done just rolled into one. Uh, and I've been here for almost four years now. So it was a strange transition back, but it was essentially I picked and chose what I wanted to try out and then let it naturally funnel back into where I felt most comfortable and where I wanted to be and where I saw myself, you know, in five to 10 years. So the very eclectic journey. <laughs> it is, it is. But it's interesting. So when you were going along your journey and you're trying different things and you're sort of, you know, as you talked about the, the forensic side and whatnot, and, and you, you know, having, doing something completely different from medicine, you know, Disney and the hospitality, did you have moments where it was like, hmm, I do think I want to try something different or you had that moment or did you ever have sort of like the fear of, okay, my contract's coming up at the end. What am I going to do next? Or did you kind of, once you started to go down this path, have a sense of, I do want to dabble over here. I want to try something yeah. different. I, I went through more of a, it was, there was much more flow to it than, you know, I might've made it sound with the contracts ending because I am a planner I'm very organized. I was already always prepared for what the next step was going to be. So if I knew, you know, my the HIV research assistant contract was only going to be a year long with the potential of a renewal, I was thinking to myself, you know, six months in, am I still interested in doing this in a year's time? Do I want to, uh, you know, bargain for a renewal? Do I want to move on to something else? So I was really utilizing this period to figure out what I wanted. So, you know, the end of a contract didn't, you know, make me nervous or scare me. I didn't felt like feel like I was stuck. I was also doing a lot of serving part or part-time kind of spread amongst all of this. So I served at a place for I think five years or something like that in between um all the different roles. So I did have something to fall back on. Um if, you know, when my HIV contract uh, the research assistant contract ended and I was moving on to the UBC body donation program. There was like a two month hiatus in between there, but I was just serving during that time. So I, I just made sure that I had something going on that afforded me the income I needed to survive in one of the most expensive places to live. Um, while I was also just, you know, picking and choosing what I was interested in. So yeah, the, the contract termination, you know, coming to an end, it never, that never bothered me. I was always just kind of jumping around and using the time to figure out what I like. So you've been in your role for at this company for four years now. Do you feel like you have, you know, you're in the right place at the right time? Is it somewhere you see yourself staying for a while? Or do you have like sort of like an itch? You know, like maybe it's time to try. No, no. And that's what's so strange. Ever since going to uh, Disney on the first program, that's when that the itch started of, wow, with this contract work, it's kind of fun being able to bounce around and go try out new things. And I really liked, you know, living in Florida and then moving back to Coburg and living in Hamilton, then back down to Florida on a boat 
and then, you know, off to Whistler. I loved moving around, but in the last, I want to say three years, I have, I think I've gotten it out of my system. I'm officially, um, I started at stem cell back in October of 2018. And the first, you know, year and a bit was a little bit hectic because I joined a very small team that accounted for 10% of company profits overall. So we were not overworked necessarily, but overworked kind of. I hope my boss isn't listening, but uh, <laughs> it was just, it was a lot of of effort put in to build this team. And, but now we're at the point where, you know, we're not having to worry too much about getting new bodies onto the team. The team is more solidified. We have at least like 15, I think we have actually 19 people now. The team is growing, our revenues are growing. Uh, so I feel very secure and happy in my position. And I now have a team uh, behind me and above me that are really, you know, working towards my career growth um and the team's progression so we're all it's it's very nice and harmonious here so i feel again don't tell my boss but i feel no desire to leave so uh i'm quite happy with with where i found myself and how you, are you you're managing people now is that correct um no i am i am supervising okay people our our company has a very strict structure uh, for when you get to the role of like people management and just with where I started, if I went from where I started to people manager in four years, I would have been the next Steve Jobs. So uh, it's, you know, a few years away, but I do supervise and train um, and indirectly manage people. Right, right. So, you know, many of us had to change how we did our work and how we did things during COVID. Like how how's your daily job? Like, are you are you, is the, is the team working hybridly? Are you totally remote? Are you in person? Like how, how are you managing um, sort of like your day-to-day -day work in, in a, I was going to say post-pandemic, it's not quite the end of the pandemic. We're still in it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the stage before the end. Like you can see the arch, you can see the door, but it's just not, it's just not um, fully opened or fully closed. So how, how's your sort of working world and what have you learned about yourself during that time period? Because maybe you were, I don't know, maybe you were fully remote before, or were you in person and then had to make the shift? We were in person. Um, so I was in the office Monday through Friday. My hours are seven to three. Um, because we have offices in Europe and Asia. Uh, so I start an hour or two hours, depending on how you see it, earlier than normal to try to accommodate people at the end of their days in those regions. Um, we were in the office, but I think it was Feb February, end of February. Our, our company was very quick to send us all home at the beginning of the pandemic um, as a biotech and working with pharma and working with researchers we weren't necessarily privy to any information that anyone else was but we knew how important it was that we all take care of ourselves and get home immediately and not risk you know a few extra weeks or months in the office that could you know spread the covid to everyone so um we got home pretty early my office you know, the company sent us home with these like beautiful monitors. They're, I call it my hot dog monitor. It's not, it's a, one of those really wide, long, like screen monitors um, and a laptop, a keyboard, mouse, headset. They sent us home with everything that we needed. 
Um, pretty quickly, my team set up daily stand-ups so that we could at least meet with each other um, and discuss you know, what's going on in a day, what to look forward to, what we completed last week. Um, so we've been remote since, and it has been simple. I've loved it. I've loved remote working. I've loved the fact that I have two dogs um, and my husband works shift work. He's a four days on, four days off kind of guy. So I don't have to worry about dog daycare, which is wildly almost as expensive or more expensive than child daycare. I don't know if that's the case for everywhere, but it is here. Um, I don't have to worry about them. Um, I don't have to commute. My commute before was about an hour to an hour 15 each way. And now I've, you know, my car is insured for pleasure instead. Um, all that I've really learned about myself is that OCD can be a blessing and a curse, but in situations like remote working, I can keep myself on track no matter what, because as long as I've got a goal in mind or there's something I know I need to complete, then it's pretty simple for me to actually just focus and settle in and get things done. Um, our company is pretty much entirely Google based as well. You know, we're in Gmail and Google Meets and, and everything. So um, I've had access to everything that I've needed. Um, yeah, the, the pandemic thus far and remote working has been honestly lovely. It's like, kind of like that moment of like, oh gosh, we really can do our job this way. And before it was, yeah. you had to be in the office or whatever. And so we probably wouldn't have, we would have maybe eventually got there, but probably a pandemic took it for everybody to realize that actually you can do stuff and do it well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, with those of us who were born pre-2000 and lived without internet, it is kind of shocking you know, that we can do all of this from home uh, and we have constant connection to each other and to the office. So it's really, it's really lovely, um, you know, for those who grew up with the internet in their lives from day one, they probably see it as like, of course you could work from home, but uh, it was, it was, it was a really nice change, I think. And I'm, I'm very impressed with, you know, the infrastructure that's been put in place to make sure that we can communicate with each other so well and uh, so efficiently. So yeah. Excellent. So if we were going to go back and look at um, first year Maggie, what piece of advice would you offer her now? That's a great question. Um, I probably just would have given her what third year Maggie had to learn the hard way instead. Um, you know, the piece of advice that whatever path that you have dictated for yourself, it's just that you've made it for yourself. Even for those of us who, you know, unfortunately, sometimes parents like to weigh in a bit and and push. My parents did that, too. They loved the fact that I wanted to go to med school and they, you know, brought it up at every family event or every time they introduced me to a coworker or something. It was always this is my daughter, Maggie, who's med school bound. It became like a descriptor for me, which is why it made it so difficult to abandon that, you know, quote unquote dream when I did, because that's what everyone had put you know, as my descriptor for so long. But uh, yeah, my advice to first year Maggie is sit and take a minute and actually evaluate what you like now, because first year is the start of a new chapter. It's not a continuation of the previous, you know, 12 years or whatever of school that you've been doing. So it's time to actually sit and think 
And I am happy that at least I chose life sciences as opposed to going down a more structured path because that really did open up my eyes to, oh, wow, I love learning about evolution. And this technically has nothing to do with medicine. And I wouldn't utilize this at all, but um, I, strangely enough, do utilize it a lot in now my day-to-day -day because working with pharma and talking about the evolution of you know, bacteria and viruses, it, it really, it comes into play. So, uh, you know, the other thing is this might've been a, a nineties thing, but there were like three positions that you could be to make enough money to, you know, live well and live comfortably. And it was like lawyer, doctor, dentist, or, or whatever. Uh, there are other jobs out there. There are other professions that are not strictly lawyer, doctor. There are so many ways that you can be in science without being a doctor. Uh, and I just, I wish I knew that sooner. I wish I knew that in high school, but at least if first year Maggie could have known that, then maybe we could have avoided the quote unquote panic attack of 2012 or whenever that was. But um, yeah, I, I would like to just, know that the path you chose, you can change again. You can choose a new one. Excellent. So we've already established you're happy in your job, but let's look, let's say five years from now, what do you think you want to be doing in five years time? Um, well, I currently run the feasibility program for um, my team. So ideally in, you know, five years, I'd like to be managing people and I'd like to have a full team uh, behind me so that I am not doing all this work on my own. And I'd like to be able to grow this division, this program, um, because I do think it is highly beneficial to researchers and, uh, you know, through, through custom products and services, we can really tailor each researchers needs and we can, you know, help advance that research just that much more by giving them exactly what they need. Uh, so five years, I'd like to have a, a larger team managing people. Ten years, um, I went through a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy when I got diagnosed with OCD. So I try not to look that far in advance because the last time I did that, it actually bit me, right? When I looked ten years ahead of me, I was bound for med school and there was no other way out. So um, I have changed a bit where I would like to see a little bit more of, you know, uh what you know the universe has in store like roll with the punches a little bit more instead of planning so meticulously um so i would 10 years i would just like to see myself in you know uh, at a higher level with you know more not necessarily more in volume on my plate but more in quality uh on my plate you know more high level decisions that i have to make um, I still see myself with stem cell because I really like the way that this company is going and I really like um, the people that I work with. But, you know, 10 years, I definitely would love to be traveling. That'd be a great one. Uh, and then continuing to work remote would be the dream of all dreams, yes. I think. <laughs> So as we get um, close to the end of our time together today, we usually like to ask people some few rapid fire questions. So I'm going to mm -hmm. fire away with these ones. What's your favorite memory at, from McMaster, from your time at McMaster? 
um, actually working as uh, event coordinator for Welcome Week. In my the beginning of my third year, I worked as event staff. And then right, I legitimately just crossed over from the US to Canada and turned my phone on to my Canada plan. And uh, the event coordinator for Welcome Week at the time, Rachel Nelson, she actually texted me like immediately and said, can you come back? Uh, and can you be, you know, a co-coordinator with me? I was like, absolutely. And that was so much fun. Uh, it was incredible. I think it, it just being that involved in Welcome Week um, and seeing all the new students come in and remembering how I felt, that was definitely, it was a great time. A busy time. That's a big job. Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you have any, uh, you know, I usually ask this people, do you have any favorite COVID purchases you did? And we've had like, let's see, um, bicycles, um, uh, what else have we had? Pizza ovens, a whole bunch of different things. Any any outstanding COVID purchase that helped you and, and your husband get through the pandemic? Um, I mean, my husband bought me a treadmill a couple years ago because I was exclaiming about the fact that my Fitbit was constantly yelling at me to get more steps. And I, you know, we live in a 1200 square foot apartment. I couldn't, even with two dogs, I couldn't get enough steps to make this thing happy. So yeah. uh, the treadmill was a really lovely addition to our home. Um, but outside of that, honestly, the PS5 that we got our hands on because being stuck in the house and not being able to go out and you know, go even just go to the mall or go to a restaurant or something. We needed something else to do with our time. And there's only so many uh, hobby photography sessions you can do going and taking landscape photos of your immediate area before you need something else. So I actually, yeah, I actually picked up video games, kind of re-picked them up from when I was younger and played a lot of Spyro. But yeah, pick, pick up video games. That was great. We talked travel just a little bit touched on that, but do you have a like, what's your next travel destination? Or maybe a better question is like, is what's on your travel bucket list where you want to be? Um, my next travel destination is, well, I mean, outside of the ones that we've already booked, we're going to Disneyland in California. Um, at the end of the month, we are heading up to, uh, or heading down to, I guess, Mexico before the year is up. But um, ideally, Europe. I have an aunt who lives in Italy. I would really like to go and visit her. One of my best friends um, just moved from Spain to Edinburgh, and she will be moving to Italy after Scotland. So I would really love uh, to go to Scotland first and then help her with her journey over to Italy. That would be that would be the the creme de la creme if I could that do is that. That would be a lovely trip. A lovely trip. Mm -hmm. um, is there any book or podcast you're you're reading or re reading or listening to that you'd share with people that oh you gotta read this book or listen to this podcast? Um, I'm actually currently making my way through the Stephen King library that I've made for myself. Um, I am a big fan of horror, but Stephen King is a little difficult to read for me, at least. Uh, especially after seeing, you know, most of the the book to movie transitions and now reading the books uh, retrospectively. Um, but, you know, 
I just I always like to read. I like to read new authors. So we're doing Stephen King right now. Podcasts. Uh, Smartless is a very entertaining one. It's very funny. And, you know, sometimes it can't always be all science, all math, all business all the time. Uh, so Smartless is a really nice, you know, comedic podcast where if I just want to turn my brain off and listen to some people talk about some funny stuff, it's a great one. And it's uh, most of the time intelligent humor. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that one for sure. Okay, I'll have to listen to that one. And what is your idea of perfect happiness, Maggie? Kind of what I've got going on now, if I'm, if that's not too bold to say, um, you know, it's all, it would always be nice to have a little bit more financial security, but that's something that weighs on me all the time, just in regards to my anxiety. Um, but otherwise, you know, we've got two lovely dogs, one kind of crazy chihuahua, but a, a beautiful head empty golden retriever. Um, I'm just recently married, but we've been together for eight years. We love our apartment. I love my job. He loves his job. I think we're like, you know, as close to top top tier happiness as as we could get ideally i'd like if my parents would move out here uh from from coburg move out here uh, so that we can all you know see each other more often but uh, yeah I, I i think i'm having a great time right now oh that's lovely i would like to re continue working from home can't <laughs> can't emphasize that enough yeah i don't want to ever have to wear another piece of business clothing ever again if I don't have to <laughs> I guess you won't be pulling out the high heels oh gosh no I don't even own a pair right now that <laughs> was the hard thing when I went back I'm like oh I gotta wear a pair I had to wear a pair of heels one day and I'm like my feet are not really after being home since March 2020 that's not a good thing and I think the I'm balls gonna of your feet I know they just, just can't hurt so much yeah <laughs> No high heels and nothing but uh, blue skies and happiness for Maggie. So thanks so much for joining us today. It's been lovely learning your journey and, and how you, you changed and pivot and all those interesting things that you did that made you embrace your happiness in your life right now and the, and the job that you're doing. Thank you. 